0: We're here, in studio.
1: We're in the studio.
0: Skeleton crew. Mm-hmm. leach report is empty.
1: Major shout out to the folks that came in. Sam. This is, we got Mark back there. We got <laughs> Alan. We got Alan. <laughs> we got Colin who's working remotely. But it's just like we've got people that are, we got Dave. Yep. We got Dave the makeup artist. Uh, yeah, the shout out makeup artist. Everybody's doing their thing. Yeah, to, because
0: much like all of you guys, covid Is it COVID-19? COVID-19, yeah. COVID-19 has everybody in a state of fear, in a state of confusion, in a state of we don't know what's going on. No one's really here at Bleach Report today. Right. Uh, But we wanted to come in and, and, and do a podcast. Uh, there's a, a very strong chance that over the next few weeks we'll be doing this remotely from home, uh, which will be my apartment and your apartment.
1: I've and always been curious what, like, your kitchen or your living room looks like. So maybe we could just do, like, a podcast where you just give us a tour. I just give tour. a tour. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd watch that.
0: Uh, we did have some guests planned to come in today. Uh, they told us that they didn't feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, that's why we were in today. If it were any other reason, of yes. course, we would have just stayed home. But um, there was a, a major guest, which hopefully we'll get him back at some point in the yeah. next few
0: weeks. But we're recording this. It is Thursday, March 12th, doing this at around 2.30. And so many things have changed in the last 24 hours. And and look, this podcast could come out in five hours, and it's completely dated. Right. Here's the news that's happened thus far. The NBA schedule has been suspended. Mm Mm-hmm. Have no idea what's
1: going to happen. We don't know if there will be a playoffs. We don't know if they'll just cancel the year and start over again in October. We don't even know.
0: The NFL just canceled their their league meeting. I know that tons of teams are pulling scouts off the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke has just announced, even if there is a March Madness, they're not playing.
1: Major it. League Baseball has suspended all operations.
0: NHL draft is completely, or the NHLs completely pushed back.
1: Broadway theaters are closing as of 5 p.m. tonight.
0: This is one of the most packed times of the year. You know, with NBA playoffs ramping up, March Madness, tons of stuff. NFL draft is around the corner. Yeah. Um. It. I. I guess everyone, every podcast I listen to, they're kind of weighing in their own personal uh, aspects of this. How do you feel right now? How are you doing, David Ingberg?
1: I will say, there's sort of a there. There's. It is nice to focus on some of the positive elements of what okay. we're seeing here. And there are there have been a few times in my life where I felt like humanity really united over something right? A nine eleven being one yep. um, where everyone was just thinking about one thing. Kobe but, felt that way a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, but I remember uh, in, in these times of crisis, there's sort of a, what can I do element, right? And, and a lot of times it's, can I donate blood? Can I donate cans of food? Can I volunteer my time somewhere? And right. this is a weird thing of what you can do is, is wash your hands and stay the hell out of the way and
0: isolate yourself. And it's just a weird feeling. Yeah. No, I would, I would agree. I think that's, There's a lot of confusion. Then you see like videos from China and you see like the precautions they're taking and how much more intense it is than America. Right. And you see Italy and how it's like in complete lockdown.
1: It's yeah. There was, I was planning
0: to go to Italy for my honeymoon. Oh really? And luckily I didn't buy that ticket because I don't think that's happening.
1: No, there was a journalist that had like a 10 tweet thread that went viral yesterday talking about just the realities of the hospitals and how overrun they are. And the real problem is that a lot of people who are not necessarily vulnerable and are at risk of dying from the disease because they might be younger. Right. But they're taking a bed away from someone that just had a stroke or taking a bed away from someone that has mm. diabetes complications and like all these cascading uh, sort of secondary effects are happening in yes. a country where it's clustered. So for the people out there that say it's not a big deal, it's just the flu, just know that it's there's bigger issues than you specifically contracting it and dying from it. There's just many more factors at play and try to keep the perspective on that. I
0: think, look, I, I do think in the beginning, my first reaction was, this seems like we're kind of going a little overboard here. And now I would say that... Um, As we see, you know, the government and we see like these federal institutions coming out and saying how serious it is. And then I'm watching the leagues and how they're reacting because there is a lot of money being lost. Yeah. Like for me, I don't think people realize the financial implications of canceling March Madness. Oh, my God. Like one, the hotel industry. The television industry and all the advertising that's been sold for the entire year. Yep. All the schools, like, this is billions of dollars.
1: And all the way on down. this does not happen quickly. Like, when you and I were down in Miami, it's like... Miami's not just the Super Bowl it's the game there's limo drivers there's bodyguards there's like there's all sorts of sort of industries that come along with the industry right and that stuff starts trickling down to various industries like like I was just telling you our babysitters that we use you know fairly regularly they're now finding out from their families that they babysit for that a yes. lot of them are working from home so they don't need babysitters anymore now there's a bunch of people that don't get that job anymore it's it's just it's trickling down piece by piece
0: I put out uh on Twitter you know like what questions do you have for Us we're gonna do a little bit of AMA on this one because it's we're trying to figure out there's not a lot of NFL to talk about right now. I'm not gonna break down Jerry Judy's recent 40 yard dash time. Um, but somebody did ask, you know, what happens with you now? Uh let's see, where was that? Uh Travis Shetler asked, What happens with you and inside the NBA? Oh. There was already not gonna be a show on Tuesday. Because Selection Sunday was Sunday, and thus it, I was going to be working the tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that first weekend doing updates. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Oh, you haven't found
0: out yet? If I you're... have no idea what's going on. Wow. But for Could me, you do that from your living room? Oh, like updates, March Madness. If there's March Madness, yes.
1: I would love, it's like, and now we throw it to Lefko and you're like lying in bed with a magazine
0: and you're like, oh yeah, Vanderbilt's. uh... Well, the thing is I was never gonna be on camera anyway, so I totally could have been Adam Lefko in New York, but like not saying where I am. (laughs) But the thing is, is I don't worry about myself. I worry about the camera operators and like the people that are hourly. Because look, when you're a salaried employee, Working from home, everyone's like, "Ooh, I'm down to work from home," but like, if you're a camera operator and you were getting paid two times a week to do the Tuesday inside the NBA and the Thursday inside the NBA, like, those are the people that I work about, like, yeah. worry about. Yeah, it's I don't worry about Shaq and Chuck and Ernie and Kenny. Like, we're gonna be okay. It's like the the ecosystem of the community that works on that show that might not be getting checks for the next four or five weeks. That scares the shit out of me.
1: The restaurants. Because that's my
0: family. The restaurants
1: that usually have 10 servers, maybe they only need five or they only need three and they cut everybody else. You don't make that money that day. Are you
0: cooking a lot right now? Like you're always cooking.
1: I am. I'm
0: a seamless Grubhub guy.
1: And yeah, I, sure. I'm
0: worried about that.
1: Uh yeah. I mean I I'm trying to cook. I'm trying to I did I did a stock up, you know, last week. You did? I did a bunch of sort of like frozen vegetables. I might do and, a
0: huge fresh direct order. Because sure. I, I don't feel like going to the markets. I just think it's gonna be madness. A
1: bunch of pastas, a bunch of beans, and uh like a bunch of like cans of tuna. I'm gonna make like a a spicy tuna rice bowl that I, I saw online. Looks pretty interesting. Yeah. So I don't you know, you can always do a lot of stuff with eggs.
0: But I You know, so the NBA, I'm I'm going to take a guess. I have been given no information. I have no idea what's going to happen. You, like me, listened to the No Dunks podcast, and you heard their three options, which was, do we postpone this, come back, finish the regular season, do the playoffs, or come back, just do the postseason, Mm -hmm. and go right into that. And then what was the third one? Just, like, not do it and just cancel? Yeah, just
1: start again the 2021 season.
0: For me, the thing that makes the most sense is go right into the postseason. It's like
1: whatever your record is right now. Hey,
0: Pelicans, I know you were like getting really close. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. You were going to chase the Grizzlies, but like, unfortunately, you're not in the playoffs. Yeah. The Grizzlies are in. I I just, I know that we're, it seems like we're going to have, we have not hit rock bottom yet in terms of like the medical establishment. Like I have a feeling like in the next two or three weeks, what you just said, the fear of the hospitals and like overrunning, like. I don't think we've seen that yet. And so that's, I don't think, I still feel like we have a few more weeks
1: yeah there's right. uh, there's latency with all this stuff, right where a lot of people look and they say right now there's oh come on, there's only a hundred thousand cases worldwide out of seven billion people, but the number that you see right now is not how many people are incubating right. it, it's how many people have been confirmed And right. there are going to be people over the next 10, 20, 30 days that are going to have things they don't even realize they have it all of a sudden that number that number of 100,000 might actually be 10, 20, 30 times bigger, and that has an exponential growth to it.
0: I already feel bad for Rudy Gobert.
1: He's going to get yeah he's he's because history will not look well on him from this one.
0: The visual of him touching everything. Right. The fact that he he gave it to Donovan Mitchell and the and the report that came out from Woge where he was like he was recklessly touching things. Yeah. He's going to be treated like like to me it's kind of messed up that the NBA is going to go okay who have the Utah Jazz played. For us to say that Rudy Gobert was the only guy in the NBA that had this disease or Or was the only
1: one that was joking around about it. Like as recently as five days ago, I feel like people had a very different tone in the office. Our president was
0: joking around about it. Okay. So like, but to treat Rudy Gobert, like, like, uh, what is it called? Something zero. Patient zero. Patient zero. Like he infected the NBA. Right. It's just also interesting because Rudy Gobert has been this guy that's always been at odds with like like he didn't get an he's never been voted to an All Star and he Mm -hmm. cried on camera. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're a baby!" Like, and I think that Americans have a weird relationship with French people.
1: Mm -hmm. Like, great nickname though, one of the great nicknames. The Stifle Tower. Stifle Tower. Truly great nickname.
0: I just I know that we're gonna look back and we're gonna treat it like Rudy Gobert was the guy that introduced it to the whole league, and it's just not accurate.
1: I I mean, uh, a tough visual can really sell a story, you know, like he was trying to do a joke and he was trying to get his little yucks in and I bet he really regrets it now. I I would be surprised if he didn't come out with a public apology for having made light of it, but we can't think he's a horrible person based on that. But the visual is rough.
0: Here is a very serious question from our Ask Me Anything. Tyler Noble, who would win in a fight between a taco and a grilled cheese? All right,
1: that's a great question. These types of questions, Lefko knows me well at this point. I really like 24 hours to think about these types of questions. You're just hitting me I can that. lead off. Yeah, please.
0: First thing I think about is the uh, mental makeup of each. And okay. I believe that a taco is going to be a tougher fighter than a grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. However, if this is a hard taco, I have seen the most beautiful hard tacos Crumblers. Crumble. Yeah. And grilled cheese... Is made to be ripped apart.
1: It is made
0: to show off its strength in the binding of the cheeses. Yep. Um, Structural
1: integrity, definitely huge, huge plus for the the grilled cheese. I
0: feel like if either of those inanimate objects could talk, I feel like the taco would come out with a little bit more vitriol. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it may have a Latin accent to it. Whereas the grilled cheese, I don't know. I can't, you know, I can't guess what a grilled cheese would sound like. Okay. Um, I would say in the end though, I'm going grilled cheese. I think grilled cheese wins the fight. I think so too. Uh, And then if we're also going just culinary, I think that I like more grilled cheeses than I do tacos, tacos. There's a lot of ingredients. I can get a bad tomato,
1: you know, Bruce Lee once famously said, um, (laughs) I'm not scared of the man who knows 10,000 kicks. I'm, ma- I'm scared of the man who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. And that's grilled cheese. A grilled cheese has one, one thing inside of it. And yes, you can add your, your bacon, you can add your tomato slices, but yes. a grilled cheese at its heart is bread and cheese. A taco, there might be a dozen different things going on there. You got lime. I'm a soft taco guy. You got, I love taco tacos too, but you got lime dripping down the side. You've got pico de gallo spilling out all over the place. You've got, you know, maybe there's like different amounts of beans and different right. bites. Like Could a grilled a cheese is a grilled Jack? cheese. A grilled cheese knows what it is. Um, That's a fighter I'm scared of.
0: Ben Money Morris, are yes. you excited that 2K announced they're back in the NFL franchise?
1: Very much so. This is one of the biggest moments of 2019, I thought.
0: I think it's very funny that Darius Geis did not even know that 2K football. That's what I'm referring football. to last yes. year, yeah. And, and I, I always think competition is great for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I would love if the XFL actually became a viable thing and pushed the NFL to try new stuff. I would love that. I look, I have a lot of friends at EA Sports, but I do think that eventually they just start fine-tuning themselves and they don't want to try anything new. It's kind of
1: how it goes. That's true with any business that starts small and innovative and then it gets big and you're trying to protect your lead, not trying to like go after the giants. I do you know though
0: that when 2K announced they're coming back, they started saying, oh, we're trying to be like a simulation type of thing. And I didn't know what that words, those words meant. Um, but yeah, I think this is great. I'm also not a big video game player anymore. Yeah, same. So like, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit distanced, but...
1: What was your video game heyday? Like what what set of years...
0: Uh, 2000 college 2005 to 2008. Okay. And then a little bit of 2009. And that's when I was like working in Nebraska making 18,000. And I was like, I need to stop playing video
1: games. They paid you 18,000 every show, every show. That's amazing. Racking local news. I had no idea.
0: Um, no, but I would say my real heyday was like end of high school, like 2003, 2004. And then I would make a lot of money in college playing rushing attack. And we would play a penny a point. Mm. So if I beat you by 2,000, you know, hey, baby, I'm making 20 bucks.
1: My my video game heyday was more like 96 to 2002-ish. Okay. So it was like some NFL quarterback club, Ooh. some Crash Bandicoot. Love Crash Bandicoot. Uh, a lot of so punch So you're a PlayStation out. guy. I was a big PlayStation guy. That was, a, uh, a, I think, 12- or 13-year-old birthday present for me. And I
0: saw a recent post where someone said, there's no better sound in the world. It was like the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. And the reason I felt that way was... There was nothing worse than it starting and your game not taking.
1: Oh, where it would start pausing? Something would be wrong with your disc. Uh Uh-huh.
0: That was the biggest fear. Or worse, something was wrong with the red laser. There's only a few things in your world that you've been told from the beginning you can never touch. And one was the red dot in the PlayStation console. (laughs) Yep. Where, like, God forbid anything got on that laser, you were screwed. The second thing that comes to my mind was when you would move into your, your freshman dorm, and they would point up above the door... And there was that little red test tube thing. And they were like, if anything triggers that, this entire floor is getting flooded. Mm. And so when you be fucking around in your dorm, God forbid that ball went near. <laughs> like that was, there's certain things in life never touch. The PlayStation laser and that little test tube above the door when can't you, touch.
1: Did you have any like games that you would play in college? Like, like a made up invented game? Because you're, you're, so you say you're throwing a ball around or something?
0: Uh, there was one day we got into a penny war. And I, everything that I own got scratched because okay. we got into a penny fight. Um, made up games. I can't think of any off the top. Do you have
1: one? Well, we did something that was like so funny. It was called the sincerity power hour. You know what a power hour is. Yep. So we would take do, a shot every minute, take a shot of beer every minute for yep. an hour. And, but it was like every minute, everyone had to say something like revealing about themselves like sincere. Wow. And it was so funny. Like over the course of the hour, it would go from like goofy. You no, know, everyone's making fun of it to like by minute 53, you're like actually admitting stuff. Like dying yeah, like major stuff like that. Like, I'm terrified of going into the world with, you know, like stuff like that. Uh, it was, it was pretty funny. We did it a few times and it always, it always was amazing. And then by the end, everyone's like, so we going
0: out now. All right. <laughs> and then you're, you're like looking at them across the bar and you're like, I understand what your pain is. Yeah. Uh, Santino, what has been the most exciting part about being with the TNT cast so far? And were are you ever starstruck?
1: I'll take this one. Um, Go for it. I got to say, you know, Dwayne, what a good guy. Candace, total pro. Shaq, it's been a delight. Uh, all right, I'll let you actually take this one. Now.
0: No, that was good. <laughs> uh, I, think, um, I think for me what it's been lately is watching Shaq get excited for the Tuesday show. Oh, nice. Because I don't think our first episode he was I think he was like, I got to work two days a week now. This Mm. is a lot. And now like he wore a baby blue suit last week with a vest and the week before he wore an ascot. And I think it's because we're all getting dressed up and he's starting now to like really get into it. Yeah. And so our last episode when we came out with the smoke machine, he was like, yo, Lefko, like, what you going to do, man? Like, I know you got, you got moves for a white guy, you know? And I'm like. The first show he showed up like with 14 minutes to go. Yeah. And now he's like, yo, what am I going to do? And to watch him get excited, because he was the one that everyone told me about was going to be the hardest to buy in. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like he's really bought in. And for, excuse me, for me, the thing that I'm, I'm enjoying the most is like, Shaq knows that he can fuck with me now. Mm-hmm. Like, he can elbow me and do that whole thing, and he really gave me a shot.
1: I was going to say, if when Ooh. Shaq, you know pleasantly nudges somebody it's actually like taking a sledgehammer to the arm i assume right well
0: it's like what we always used to talk about with like offensive linemen where like you run on tyron smith and like he throws an arm into you that's an 80 pound arm like that's going to be enough to stop von miller in his tracks
1: i watched a journalist i think he was interviewing uh holly holm Mm. and he was like can you just like sort of show me like some styles of kicks and she like just kind of like 10% power just kicked him in the thigh, and he, like, crumpled. Yes. He was just, oh, oh, that's what that is. Okay, that's what that feels like. Cool.
0: I mean, he picked me up last week like it was nothing. Like, he just, it's crazy. So, Shaq, though, it's funny. So, my my friend Salehi is a sneaker designer, uh, came by, and and wanted to see, like, what it was like behind the the scenes. And I'm very, (laughs) excuse me, to me, just not a good time to cough. No. It just doesn't instill confidence.
1: It's like when you when you get when you innocently get the hiccups, but you've had two beers and everyone just assumes oh, you're wasted now. Great comparison. And you're like, you're like, no, no, no these are just innocent hiccups and, and then you hiccup at the most inopportune moment. Everyone's like, oh yeah. If you're on the subway and you just have a cough drop and you happen to like swallow something weird and you start coughing, everyone looks at you like oh, you're about to kill everyone. Now's not the
0: time. But, right. But for me, like we were walking down the hallway behind Shaq and he was freaking out. Cause he's like, yo, like I'm walking down a hallway with Shaq. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, I got to go back on in two minutes. (laughs) Like for me, like I'm not, uh, I am so past that now because I'm trying to do television. Yeah. But I think the other thing too is like, you have probably been on sets where not everybody likes each other. And they can turn it on mm-hmm. when the cameras go on and be like, "Oh yeah, we're a family," blah blah, and then it ends and everyone just leaves.
1: Have you seen that SNL sketch called like Good Morning Miami? No. Oh, it's so you would it's so in your wheelhouse of like local news. Yeah, what happened? And it's like the three of them they're they're doing all their promos for the week. And so it's like three, two, one. Everybody ready for a Monday morning sunshine? <laughs> and then as soon as it cuts, as soon as they and we're out, they're like, "God, I hate my life." You know, yes. it's, just, it's so funny.
0: That's a lot of television. Yeah, a lot and. Look, guys, when you start going up in media, what I'm seeing is like the egos get bigger because the contracts get bigger and the shows get bigger and the pressure gets bigger. And like it's when you're younger, you're like, let's just let's work overtime and who cares? Let's make stuff. And to be on a show where everyone genuinely likes each other Mm -hmm. is so refreshing. Yeah. That's the shit that I'm enjoying the most. Yeah. We're like, you know, we're in the locker room afterwards, and Wade's like, yo, man, t- tonight was good. So I was like, yeah, good shit, co." And I'm like, man, that's crazy. And then Candace comes out, and she's like, that was fun. And, like, we all leave. Yeah. But it, it's genuine. Like, that's the shit that I'm enjoying right now. That's great. That feels good. Um, we'll just see if I ever work again. Uh... Hey, Adam, love your show. Oh My guy, Miles, my question is, what was the best non-professional championship party you ever t- attended? I'll hang up and listen. It had to be the Immaculata University Championship. Where we played uh, beer pong all night, and they won it all, and I tried Skippy for the first time, which is a one of those college drink concoctions.
1: Oh, like a jungle juice. That's type what thing? he wants me to talk about. Oh, okay.
0: Miles, you were there.
1: Oh, this is someone, <laughs> This is a plant. Who's a asking. A professional
0: championship party. Yeah, very well <laughs> done. Um, Avery Schmidt, can tequila shots cure coronavirus?
1: Uh, I, Dr. Ingber, (laughs) even from like a joking perspective, do not want to offer anything remotely related to medical advice. Like I, I, like this, I'm going to say, no, it doesn't. There are times when, when I would love to do a whole improv bit about that. This is funny
0: because date Ingber is one of those guys that like, when something is happening, tragic, you're like, I can find the humor in it. Yeah. But when there's a microphone in front of you.
1: I actually, different. I'm not kidding. I was texting with a few old coworkers of mine where this was like our major bit. Anytime there was something where you don't joke it's about an it, Anthony we, would, Jesselnik. we would pitch each other as many jokes as possible. Right. I'd never tweet them, but it was like, I spent like a good half hour last night just like tweeting, Yeah, you know, not tweeting, texting, texting jokes just because you have to get them out of your system. But like they're obviously it would be so inappropriate to put out uh, in this, in this current stage.
0: The dark, the dark night. How hard did Shaq hit you with that shoulder? Ingberg has some funny tweets.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that. It's, it's Engber, Ingber, I N G B E R. It's, a, <laughs> it's a, a strange last name, but people love to put a G at the end of it to make it more like Dick Enberg, I assume. Ah. You know, like that. There's, I think there's way more famous Enberg than there is so, Ingber. So, I N G B E R. It's an uncommon last name, but it is easy to pronounce.
0: And Shaq drilled me, but I would say I acted up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I got to sell it. Yeah. You know? There's a little
1: kayfabe happening. But he, he drilled me. <laughs>
0: um,
1: if you could travel back in time, where would you go and why?
0: Okay, if I could travel back in time, who said, Who asked that one?
1: Oh, That is from at Bye Bye Rivers.
0: Okay. Um, if I can go back to any time period, it's weird. Like a lot of times I think about the 80s. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the 80s were like, we were starting to like get really, uh, uh, everything was starting to become very accessible and it was like all about excess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just everything about the 80s is just crazy. The 60s, I think, are very interesting. If I could avoid going to Vietnam, that sounds like a fun era to be in.
1: There's a lot of caveats when you really start thinking oh. about it. You're like, man, it would be so cool to see Victorian England, but only if I was one of the nine people that had wealth. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not going back there to just I, like. I
0: genuinely think we're a part of the, the best time. Yeah, that's
1: Yes. Yes.
0: That's usually the hard part. If there was
1: a touristy thing where you could go and it was like an aquarium situation and you could just sort of like, you'd you get your popcorn and you'd get a nice seat yeah. and you could watch.
0: Like if I was a gangster in the 20s, that's cool. But then again, I could also get fucking popped. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. What would your answer be? Um... I kind of want to just like revisit the nineties again, like as a tourist, but like, yeah, we're not I, even
0: going back that far. Like
1: we're not picking 1400, but what I want to do is I want to write down the script and score to Hamilton. And then I'm going to pitch that as like a 10 year old and be like, this guy's a genius. <laughs> and then I can just live off those royalties for the rest of my life and do whatever.
0: Do a little back to the future where you like have the almanac and can just like <laughs> bet the Super Bowl every year. Um. Okay, this is Geralt of Philly. So many questions. Is Will Geralt,
1: you, I assume that's a, a Witcher reference.
0: Oh, I don't know Witcher. I think it's a Witcher reference.
1: Is that a show on Netflix? Geralt of Rivia is a uh, it's, it's the Netflix show. was it the books, It was a game show. I don't uh, have
0: time in my, to work from home now.
1: It, it, was, it was interesting. I think it was for the people that know the books and the game show, they, uh, the video game, they loved it. Um, I didn't know any of those things. I didn't have those references, and so I wasn't really grabbed by it, but I respect what it's doing out there.
0: Uh, will you start covering esports if the leagues suspend themselves until summer? I guess esports is kind of uniquely positioned with all of them. Yeah. Uh, no, I will not. Okay.
1: Are you big into esports? I'm not. You know, I'm not a big video game guy. But look, I mean, I, I think one of the things that might come out of this, like when we look back in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, there might be like major structural changes that came out of these few months. You're right. There might be entire businesses that say like, actually we don't need an office space or there might be massive businesses that say like, we could do most of this stuff remotely or certain medical efficiencies that get found. Right there, I have no idea where things are heading and sometimes when all of humanity gets involved to think about one thing for a long time, yes. new pathways are formed, new efficiencies are formed and I don't claim to know what, the, what will come out on top and what will leave behind as yeah. a society, but I definitely don't want to speak too soon because if esports is is, let's say, I'm. Mean, who knows, but yeah, just for example's sake, let's say eSports is the only sports we have left five years from now, I'm probably watching it, because I'm oh, just going to need down. sports in my life, you know, so like I just don't want to be too quick to rule anything out.
0: I agree. Ish uh, e-sh- Dutta, why do you only respect former current Giants players that only come on the show? You're cool with <laughs> Saquon, Deal, and Pew, but you bag on Eli and Daniel Jones. Okay. Well, let's also look at the people that I'm supposedly bagging on, Eli and Daniel Jones, recent quarterbacks that I feel as though get a lot of credit for being an above average quarterback in the biggest city in the nation. Mm -hmm. And my thing about Eli is I believe that Eli was giving, and rightfully so, Hall of Fame credential pass for the two Super Bowls. But never has Eli been a top five quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't, I think that quarterbacks in general get way too much credit in the NFL. And I believe that the defenses won those Super Bowls just as much as Eli did. Mm-hmm. And for me, I really start bagging on people when I feel as though the rest of the population is obsessed with them and I don't feel like it's deserved. And I try to stand for the people that the rest of the population is bagging on. And I think are like Matt Stafford. Mm -hmm. Everyone says Matt Stafford sucks. I would take Matt Stafford over Eli Manning all the time. Mm -hmm. I just think that Eli was on a team where it was set up better for him, where Matt Stafford's been on the Detroit lions that have been an absolute shit bag for like the last decade. Daniel Jones, I that's just my rivalry with the Giants, where, like, Nobody thought Daniel Jones was the sixth best player on the draft, and it was just a lot more fun to make fun of the Giants. I think Daniel Jones uh, is a lot better than I thought he was coming out of college. Still think he's a huge fumbling problem. But Eli is more of in jest. I really don't dislike anybody. If Eli Manning sat down right now, we'd end up yucking it up and having a really good 30 oh, minutes course. and an hour. Um, I don't take any of these rivalries that serious. The best thing about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl – is that I have mellowed out completely in terms of sports fandom. Yeah. Completely. Sure. Because I don't have that monkey on my back where I'm worried about defending myself all the time.
1: Yeah, and you're not in, like, scrums as much. Like, you're, you're sitting down with guys one-on-one for, like, an hour as opposed to desperately trying to get your one good pointed question oh, in. Oh, man. It's a very different type of relationship you're trying to foster.
0: Sports Godfather, what is each of your favorite sports moments as a fan? and then as a media member. Mm-hmm. what You've had a lot these last decade and a half. Yeah. But you have to pick one. Mine's obviously the Eagles Super Bowl, as a fan.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I think like if I could not not a moment a moment is difficult so I'd have to go with Vinatieri kicking the Super Bowl to beat the Rams
0: and mine would be the sack on Brady where they got the ball back
1: sure because that was a moment where he kicked the field goal it was over I'm look I was a junior in high school I'm looking around like did we just win a title Brady
0: hands on the head we just win a title like that
1: was you you have to put yourself in the in the shoes of a Boston fan who had no idea if we'd ever win a title that
0: moment over so 2004
1: so I'd have to choose between like eight different there's the Robert Steele there's Mariano Rivera getting shelled. There's the David Ortiz fifteenth inning home run. There's the Johnny Damon grand slam. Mm-hmm. There's the actual Keith Folk final me, out the of the, the World Series. Johnny Damon grand slam was the moment. It was, but it was ten days in a row right. of I was up till four in the morning celebrating and watching and drinking. I was in college. It was crazy. I was in living in Boston. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that was that was the craziest. Sports fan experience, 2004 Red Sox. And I don't think that'll ever get touched. That was insane. Yeah. I watched every inning of every game of the Red Sox, that entire playoffs. But if I if I had to boil it down to a moment, I'd probably go with uh, Adam Vinatieri in 2001. <laughs> because I really didn't think I would ever see a, a title. I really didn't.
0: And mine as a media member would probably be when Louisville won the title that has since been uh, relinquished, which is bullshit. Mm. Um, but for me... That was my team, like Russ Smith and Gorgie Jang and Peyton Siva and Montrez Harrell and Luke Hancock. And it was just like a part of my career where like I myself was starting to like become more of a like a like a name yeah. like very early on. But also like when you're a media member in a local town, you you're, you're the perception of how good you are is completely tied to the team. Mm-hmm. So as they kept going, I'm starting to do national radio interviews. I'm starting to get interviewed. Uh, I was doing a, a documentary at the time, but I remember they're, they're down early to Michigan by double digits. And I'm, I'm rooting for Louisville. And Luke Hancock hits like six threes in the first half. Yeah. And Montrez has that huge dunk. And I felt like I won the title. That was the Kevin Ware year, you know? That's right. And so... 2014? And it was one of those things where like my favorite moment of the media member there from that time was Luke Hancock wins most outstanding player for the final four. And his dad was very, very sick. He later passed away. And so when you're covering a team, you know, all the storylines and everybody ran over to Kevin Ware because he was the story of that tournament or they were going to like Russ Smith. And I found Luke Hancock And I, I put a microphone in while he was, he went right to his dad and there was this moment where, uh, Luke is like, I have to do this media and then I'm coming right to you. And for me, it was like to experience this guy that had probably the pinnacle of his life, the most outstanding player of the final four. And all he cared about was getting to his dad and spending minutes with his father who at that point couldn't even walk anymore. That hit me in my chest so hard yeah. because everyone is celebrating for different reasons. I'm surrounded by tens of thousands of Louisville fans that are celebrating for that. I'm around players that are like, I get a ring, I get a banner, I get to be immortalized. But to watch the guy that was voted most outstanding not give a shit about any of that and go right to his dad, it was so... And I didn't know what he said. I couldn't hear it. But when I went back, you know, I'm working until like 3, 4 in the morning that night to cut everything. Yep. And I'm listening to it, and I'm by myself, and I just start crying, because mm-hmm. you're like, "Look, I'm sitting there with my microphone in there. I'm, I'm looking around like, "Oh, where are we going to go next?" blah blah?" And then selfishly, I'm going, "I just covered a championship."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I, I found myself at three in the morning crying, and that was my favorite moment as a media member, because like, I never want to lose that part it's very easy to get callous in this industry it's very easy to like it all runs together and you forget it all but that was a moment that i'll never forget
1: you've talked about this before um Like when you're a journalist, especially like a young up-and-comer, and and let's say you got a little Twitter presence or whatever, and the team that you're covering happens to go on a run. Like let's say you were a a small-time journalist and you were covering Leicester City when they went on their insane run to win the the Premier League, right? Like and all of a sudden you're getting national media exposure and your tweets are starting to get retweeted by Cristiano Ronaldo and all this stuff is happening. And you saw a version of that at Louisville. Uh, is that kind of the media equivalent of your description of Eli Manning, where it's like he happened to be along for mm. the ride for a really good set of teams where it's like this Eli Manning was doing his job. He was continuing to do a very nice job as a quarterback. He happened to get swept along with an amazing experience with some other people around him. And then he gets vaulted into like a new stratosphere of our estimation. It's not
0: a perfect, it's not a perfect analogy. Yeah, what do He you was think? like the first pick in the draft and all that. What do you think? I, there's something there. I, I think that there's, there's a lot of that. I think that, um, It's look, I remember when the Phillies won the world series and every media member in that market got locked into like a 10 year deal. Sure. Because if you were covering that team, Oh yeah. And they're just now like 12 years, 13 years later going, Oh wow. We haven't had like new media people in this city in like a decade. And it all goes back to that. Right. And I, I think you kind of get locked in the Eli Manning thing though. Uh, there there's plenty of holes in it, but i
1: I'm I, joking, yeah, yeah,
0: but I think um i'm tr- I'm trying to think of like the lesser known guys that get the the new contracts because they feel obligated. the teams feel obligated to reward them
1: okay that's that's what's very interesting to me like coming off a title year, the guy who is your seventh man is now getting paid like he's your fourth man,
0: and you get locked in and it's the hardest thing is is you I can't imagine as a GM where you feel like you're not rewarding your players. And you're worried that that could send a bad message. Mm-hmm. And then if you let, like, like Sammy Watkins right
1: now. Right. That's a great example. With the
0: Chiefs, where he was kind of already being paid a little bit, and they're probably not going to be able to bring him back. Um, but all, all fans ever want is to run it back. Because the, the storylines after the Super Bowl are, can the Chiefs go back to back? Right. Remember when the Seahawks beat the, the Broncos?
1: They're going to oh. win three of the next four.
0: And so you get caught up in the hysteria. And only the really good GMs of a TV station or the GMs are willing to make a change right there to keep it going. And, oh, like...
1: But I bet you there are a lot of fans out there that would rather lose the next year with our guys than cut those guys for, like, money reasons so that we can keep it going for the next decade.
0: Yeah, they're not going to do, like, what the Florida Marlins did, where, like, they win and then they sell everybody.
1: Yeah, and this is why everyone likes the Toronto Raptors this year. Right? Where, like, they lose Kawhi, it would have been so understandable. Right. If they're like, let's just trade Kyle Lowry. Let's just let Marcus walk. Let's just, like, blow it up and we'll just, we'll bottom out and we'll yeah. become good again. And they were like, Nah, we got a 60 win team right here.
0: Let's freaking okay, go. We'll run it back.
1: Yeah. And I think like the, the Toronto Raptor fans are like, hell yeah, man. I don't care if we don't win win it all this year. Like we defended our damn title.
0: I think what what mattered to me when the Eagles won the Super Bowl was you just want to be competitive the next year. Because mm-hmm. in the NFL, the storyline is always the two teams that make it to the Super Bowl, other than the Patriots for the last fifteen years, have been awful the next year. Right. It just collapses. It's the the law of averages and all that. You want to have a team that when they win, it feels like you're you're getting back to that Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. And for the Raptors right now in this season, it's it it almost in a weird way even more validates their championship mm-hmm. that their core is worthy enough of being a top three seed in the East right now, the, the, the two seed in the East. But the NFL, it's I will say that this this virus and and it's taking a little bit of the momentum away from this draft season and. Luckily for everybody the draft can be kind of scouted at home but I'm to bring it back to football really quick with the scouting process kind of going away I have always thought that this is the time of the year where the NFL thinks too much you have all the game film and now you're going to go to these pro day workouts and you're going to watch one 40 yard dash or one session of a guy catching the ball mm-hmm. and I've always thought that it ruins people's evaluations and in a weird way, I'm asking myself, could this travel ban that these teams are instituting and the fact that they're not going to be holding pro days, could this help with evaluation by putting that emphasis back on game film, mm. back on college accomplishments and less. Now, it's going to hurt the information gathering process where you get to sit down with the coaches and and Saban kind of leans in and goes, look, the only guy you really need to focus on is Jerry Judy. Yeah. like. And you also
1: lose out on that that potential like seventh rounder that all of a sudden is climbing up to a third rounder because like we just happen to be at the Clemson Pro Day and who's that guy, you know, like that I sort think, of thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it it definitely hurts the guys trying to get the the um anecdote not the anecdotal, the um like the the sideline help, uh I don't know, like tertiary. I don't know what it'd be. But in terms of like evaluations, I think it gets people back to basics. Yeah. I'm very curious what happens with the NFL draft in Las Vegas. Um,
1: I imagine a lot of people are going to sit it out, even if, even if it is cleared. And even if it is a televised event, I feel like a lot of people that are on the fence are like
0: flying to Vegas, right? We're like, and also like the big thing for the NFL draft is like dapping up Roger Goodell.
1: Right. It was a whole elbow thing, right? Have you been giving people
0: elbows? That's it. That's all I do is elbows.
1: Yeah, I was rocking elbows at a, at a sort of birthday party the other day, and everyone thought it was like doing it as a bit. I was like, very much not doing this as a bit. No, nope, nope. We'll not be hugging you tonight.
0: Who are um, the interviews that we have coming up on Monday? Uh,
1: sorry, I have it written right over That's here. That's all
0: good. I just, guys, we still have some Super Bowl interviews that we want to get out. We just thought there's no way we cannot talk about what's going on right now. Uh, but next Monday we have who?
1: Adam Thielen. And Antonio Cromartie,
0: Antonio Cromartie,
1: I thought was unbelievably interesting to listen to. And yes. Adam Thielen, I just want to be buddies with him. Just seems like a cool dude that like he he's adopted that Minnesota persona where I'm like, yeah, just a good, good guy from the middle of the country.
0: And Adam Thielen, I think had no idea. Like, I think Adam Thielen had a lot of fun with me, but I think he had no idea what was going on. And so he was just like, OK, this is fun. It was at, like the first thing in the morning too. It was 9: 930 a.m. interview. And you're right. Cromartie was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then what are we going to have next Thursday?
1: Uh, well, we might have Connor Rogers back on the uh, t- to talk about draft preview for number two. If we if we're able to if get we're some able remote. to come in, uh, if not, we got Avery Williamson and Antoine Bethé.
0: Nice. Antoine is one of those legendary goats that every time I talk to safeties in the NFL, I say, "Who do you you, you model your game after?" And I always expect Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins, Troy Polamalu, and all of them mention Antoine Bethé. Mm and it was really cool to talk to him about his time with Bob Sanders and Indy and then Avery Williamson i think is a a very honest conversation about a guy that just missed the his season with an ACL yeah and what it's like with the uncertainty of an injury. Yeah, he opened up. He was he very really interesting. Did. And then what do we got after that?
1: Uh, the Williams brothers, Quinnen and Quincy, two oh of your faves. God. What a delight. Just such a joy. Talking about swim meets in high school, that was, I was like rolling I laughing. I forgot about that one. Oh, that my God. Great. That was great. And then uh, Jeezy. Fucking Jeezy. Jeezy. That's, that, that closes out our Miami And I chapter. asked him
0: to ordain my wedding, and uh, we're still waiting to see if he's confirmed. Okay. But he did say, he said, when is it, July? Is that Valentine's Day? And I was like... I don't know if you can. Thank you guys for listening. And just wanted to kind of like get back to this. There's a chance that we're going to be doing a lot of this from home. Uh, But again, we'll probably do some more AMAs. Just get some questions from you. Have fun. Um, That's it, though. I am the LEFKOE man. Stay safe. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. Cook for yourself. Just, you know, be smart for David Ingber.
1: Start every day by asking yourself, what will future me thank me for? That's so
0: good. I did that the other day where I, um, I forget what I did for myself later. Like I packed a mint and I was like, I'm the best. Future me will thank you. 33%. Y'all are the shit. Stay safe. We love you guys very much. Peace out.